0: In a Mississippi Minute That's right Welcome to the Mississippi Minute. Folks, don't forget, as we get started today, so many wonderful things to do right here in Mississippi. Go to visitmississippi.org to find out a whole lot more. Today's guests I met many moons ago while serving my time in Music City, the founders of Kid Pan Alley. Their mission is to inspire creativity, you know, I dig that build confidence and foster community among children of all ages through the group songwriting process Kid Pan Alley was founded in 1999 and since It's written over 2700 songs with 65,000 children one of those me I mean, I wasn't the child the child, but I was with the children across the country from Virginia to Hawaii guest number one Curtain number one, I guess. The founder and artistic director is a composer, songwriter, recording artist, performer, and teacher. And I only give certain guitar players this incredible statute, and that is Easy Chord. That's what I call him. He can play anything. Guest number two, curtain number two, is a grants and education specialist. Her passion for singing led to earning a bachelor's and master's degree in music education, she's an avid music educator, it's her thing, and believes in the creative process, integrating voice, movement, improvisation, instrumentation, as a means of inspiration and discovery. That's deep and heavy, but I get it and you are about to too. You uh, you are about to as well. Let me get that right. You can check them out and their mission at www.kidpanalley.org. So let's welcome in to the Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studio all the way from here to Virginia, the musical duo of Paul Reisler and Cheryl Toth. Hey guys. Hey Steve, how you Hi. doing? Hi
1: Steve.
0: What's up? What's up? You guys okay?
1: we're doing we're doing well and uh we sure enjoyed doing that concert with you last weekend you were
0: you were fabulous well you guys are fabulous and i it was great to reunite it's been a long time just getting your email i got i got excited just to uh reminisce about old times and all of a sudden we did a little virtual concert uh and it was just wonderful and and wow man just uh just the music that night was just spectacular. I mean, it was just a great vibe, and folks, you know, I remember the one lady had a glass of wine with her, <laughs> just watching her <laughs> drink her wine while we played. And, you know, it's gotten so odd, hadn't it? You know, it, would would we have ever thought that we would be doing all these virtual things online um, a year ago?
1: No, definitely not. You know, it's, uh, uh, I think we come to concerts for a variety of reasons, but one of the main ones is community. And uh, community has been one of the things that has really, really suffered uh, uh, during uh, this uh, virus time. Uh, You know, we happen to live in a real community. It's a very small one. Uh, Our whole county has 6,500 people, and the largest town is 124. Uh, But it is, in the truest sense of the word, a community where everyone knows each other. um, Most of the people help each other out a lot. Uh, uh, because it's small enough that you do get to know everybody. right? And uh, with uh, having to uh, be separated from each other, I think there's been a real hunger for that kind of community. Uh, right. I've been amazed how well doing virtual a virtual concert like we did uh, with you last weekend has worked for bringing people together. And I think part of it is, you know, we have the audience in the Zoom living room, and so... We're looking at them, they're looking at us, they're asking us questions, and it really feels like we're sitting around the living room, uh, you know, having a glass of wine, although everybody's wine is a different flavor.
0: Right, right. You know, <laughs> you know, the, the, like the NBA figured out they had all the people zoom in in their seats, you know? I mean, it was <laughs> crazy to see it, and then they pipe in the crowd noise and do all this, but I felt like, uh, you know, how creative has everybody, especially in the media, have to get, uh, and at home with work? Um, I had a friend the other day that said he was on five Zoom calls. Well, I did four yesterday, and that was my record. But uh, it's just just crazy where we are. Now, okay, so first of all, Paul, if you guys can move the speakerphone a little bit closer. I just want to make sure our guests get to hear everything. Um, Okay. And then, uh, so I want to start, Cheryl, with you. Take me back to your growing up years. You know, when did music sort of find you, uh, and when did you go, this is it?
2: Music and art have always been a really important part of my life. My father's an artist, and my mother has always loved music. And so the two combined, I think, were, have always been an inspiration. Um, my, my mother tells me my most embarrassing moment was when I was like three years old, and my grandmother gave me a quarter to go out and dance and sing um, at this uh, outdoor festival. You know, they, they had music playing. And boy, I went out there and just cut a rug and something like my heart, you know, depended on it. So I think that it's just something that is in me. Um, but I, I've always loved children, and going through school, I was really a fine arts major. I took art and all the courses that I could possibly participate in, and then went ahead and uh, got my degrees in music education. But I think my real passion came when I started working um, in the music classroom with children with special needs. Oh, wow. And I realized, you know, these kids have songs in them. Yeah. They may not be able to speak or um, share their ideas, but they take it all in, and they feel things, and they have their own ideas um, about how they want to see the world. And so... I really developed a a passion for um, children with special learning disabilities and especially autism
0: right you know our foundation Cheryl part of you know we donate to uh, different uh, causes that have their own programs so we don't have programs within our deal we donate to those and to the swimming beneficiaries but one of them is camp looking glass which is You know, uh, children uh, of different levels of autism. And I promise you this, seeing them sing and how what music does to them, you can feel it leave from the ground up, you know, all the way through their head. You know what I mean? Like it's this wonderful, glorious explosion of love.
2: Absolutely. It's it's, it's just so amazing. And I think for so many years we've underestimated the ability for children to – who have multiple disabilities, um, or who are nonverbal, to be able to communicate and be creative and be artistic.
0: Right. You know, go ahead, I'm sorry.
2: That's okay. So I moved away from um, the music classroom because I I really felt that uh, leadership was an opportunity in my path, and so I became an elementary school principal, which is where I met Paul, my PTA hired um, the nonprofit organization Kid Pen Alley to come in and work with my fourth and fifth grade students and um, it was October 31st, Halloween. as you can imagine, kids were just so excited yeah. um, to be going trick-or treating and doing all that fun stuff and Paul wheeled in his his big um, uh, music uh, cart that had all of uh, all of his equipment. And for the next week, my fourth and fifth graders were just absolutely amazed and engaged. And, uh, you know, I had a lot, I've worked in a school where um, I had a lot of students that were, uh, English was their second language. Right. And so kids who had never raised their hand in class all of a sudden were raising their hand mm-hmm. or leaning over to their friend and saying, share this idea. And it was just amazing yeah. um, to see what they, what they were able to create, and so I got the idea um, for the second year to invite Paul and Kid Panelli to come up and work with my um, a very um, our sister school, which was right down the road. It's a school that is a K through twelve for students with multiple disabilities, not just autism, but kids who um, have a lot of medical uh, interventions in their lives. And so Paul brought his amazing talents, and we paired um, my fourth graders with students from Key School um, in Fairfax County. Mm -hmm. And together, they wrote songs. Yeah. And they're just... As a matter of fact, the song that you hear on um, our online uh, virtual concert, Life is Good Because We Have Music, was written by... Uh, this
0: combination of kids yeah I've I've been there and done this as well down here in the Delta Delta Music Institute we have a little music mobile lab and we'll go to all sorts of places from third graders you know to uh, kids that have had some have been in trouble a little bit and -hmm. and and everywhere in between and I'm telling you guys uh, it's amazing uh, how music just sort of uh, it fixes it all I'm trying to find some sort of cool word to say but that's what it does it (laughs) fixes it all We're going to take a quick break. You're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio with Paul Reisler, Cheryl Toth. Kidpanalley.org is where you go to find out a whole lot more about them. Go to visitmississippi.org to find out what you're going to do this weekend. So many great things to do. I'm Steve Azar. You're in a Mississippi Minute.
1: Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Be
0: yourself, not just somebody else. Not just another book on the shelf. You can be your own I'm boss. Steve Azar. You're in Mississippi Minute. We're rolling off. with my man, Paul Reisler, and Cheryl Toth. Kidpanalley.org is where you can hunt them down. You're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. Visit mississippi.org is a place to check out. Go check out the blues trails this weekend, the country music trail markers. So many cool things you can do uh, and partake in our wonderful culture down here. Paul, uh, I want to dig into your past a little bit uh, before you meet Cheryl. Uh, from thank goodness to the PTA, and it may not have been the Harper <laughs> Valley PTA, but it was a PTA that, that, that's the connection for you that made it happen. Uh, let's that's talk, true. Usually PTA screwed things up. You know, sometimes <laughs> I, I may be in trouble for saying that, but uh, uh, but no, I'm kidding. But take me down your just, just growing up. Obviously, your guitar playing is insane. It's it's incredible. It's special. You can tell you had a lot of training, and you spent a lot of time locked up in your room. So uh, <laughs> take me back to the beginning, Paul.
1: Uh, well, I came from a totally uh, non-musical household. Uh, no one in any uh, relatives or family ever uh, played music, but... Uh, I was bitten by the folk music bug in uh, the early 60s, and I uh, started playing uh, playing guitar. And then when I was about 15 or 16, I started working at the Alexandria Folklore Center, which was, uh, at that point, it was about the mid-60s. And it was one of the, there was a New York Folklore Center, uh, Denver, and this one in Alexandria, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And I met all kinds of people at my young age there. Uh, you know, we put on concerts. We had, you know, Bill Monroe, uh, I uh, met people like John Baez and it was just an incredible experience. Some old blues players and just people would come in the store play some music and that was really set me on this path in my life. I uh, learned how to build instruments back during that time and wow. my first career uh, was as an instrument maker. Uh, but when I was 25 uh, Another friend of mine who was an instrument maker and I and our two apprentices uh, decided we were going to build a family of hammer dulcimers from uh, bass up to soprano, and we did that. And at our very first gig doing that, we got a record contract in 1975, mm-hmm. and it sort of took off from there. We named the band Trapezoid after uh, scratching our heads for many months, trying to figure out a good name, and uh, because that was the shape of the hammer dulcimer, and immediately we were touring all over the country. Uh, and so eventually I dropped the instrument making and just focused on doing music.
0: Paul, Paul how old were you when you got your first record deal?
1: Uh, 25.
0: Okay, all right.
1: And so uh, Kid Pan- uh, Trapezoid made a bunch of albums, and they lasted for almost 25 years. Uh, the highlights were uh, the 80s. We were doing a couple hundred shows a year and traveling all over the place. As that was kind of cross-fading out, I was doing a lot of music uh, with my late wife, Julie Portman, who was a a world-class theater director, playwright, and actress. And I was doing music for her plays, and we we toured all over the country and the world with that. Uh, At the same time, I was doing some trapezoid. And sort of towards the end of the trapezoid years, uh, I was asked by a friend of mine here, uh, in Rappahannock County, Virginia, if I would do a, an interdisciplinary workshop with her and a visual artist. She was a choreographer, and they asked me to do music, and they, we were going to work uh, for three weeks in the public school here. There's only one elementary school in our county. There's about 500 kids total, and in that three weeks, I worked with every kid in the county, uh, wrote about 60 songs. And you know, when they asked me to do it, I said, no, I don't really want to go in there and teach the kids. You know, she'll be coming around the mountain. And yeah. uh, Old <laughs> MacDonald had a farm. Although we
0: like it, but yeah. <laughs>
1: although we like it. I was much more interested in the creative process than the recreative thing of learning yeah. a song. And so I asked, can I uh, write songs with them? I had no idea how it would turn out. Uh, and they said, sure. So uh, first day I went in there with all these plans. And then in about the first 10 minutes, I threw them all out. And we wrote six songs the first day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it just went from there. Some of the songs were good. Some, uh, one or two, a couple of them here and there were great. And uh, some were just like you'd expect. Uh, but by the end of that three weeks, we had about 60 songs. Wow. And we did a big performance for the whole community. And after that, people kept asking me, Oh, I'd like a copy of this song and I'd like a copy of that song. And the, I was uh, uh, not that interested in being a children's artist and learning. You know, playing all those songs and recording them, but I got this idea about six months later to get all the musicians in our county together and have them each do a song in their own style.
0: Hmm. And from we from these songs, songs that the kids wrote?
1: Sixty songs we wrote. With yeah, so them. the
0: the songs these musicians are doing are actually these songs you guys wrote in this short window of time.
1: That's exactly right. So uh, we uh, uh, we picked up 19 of the songs and gave one to each artist. Or, or we uh, gave them a couple of songs to choose from that would fit with the style that they did. And we had everything from, you know, a hip-hop, hip-hop group to uh, uh, the sons of the conductor, Lauren Mazzell, who was, you know, the foremost conductor in the world when he passed. Um, uh, where we did something where we put beats behind kind of a classical song. We had uh, another neighbor of mine is John Bourgeois, who was the conductor of the Marine Band for 20 years. And he did an arrangement that we got the high school band to play and then paired them with uh, a band called Everything, which was at the time a very popular rock band. And it was just a potpourri of all kinds of different music. Uh, And that's really what got us going. Uh, the album came out the week before nine eleven and was promptly buried uh, under the rubble of that. Right, right. Uh, but my dear friend Beth Nielsen Chapman uh, introduced me to uh, Paul Gamble, the conductor of the National Chamber Orchestra. Uh, she introduced me because I'd just written a full-length piece for orchestra and narrator, and she thought they might be interested in that. But what Paul was really interested in was uh, doing another Kid Pan Alley project. And so within about 15 minutes, we were making an album... Uh, with the Nashville Chamber Orchestra. Now, in Nashville, it seems, you know, as the saying goes, Coles to Newcastle. Uh, for me to be the only songwriter on a project like that was ludicrous, so I enlisted all my great songwriting friends there, many who've won multiple Grammys, right. and they each went into a different school and wrote a couple of songs in each of the different schools, and we worked in all of the schools in Nashville. And uh, then we recorded the songs, we did orchestral arrangements of a bunch of them uh, that were appropriate for it, and we got a lot of great artists on there. Uh, We had Amy Grant and Delbert McClinton and Kix Brooks and Susie and. Mm -hmm. Uh, the whole list of people and accompanied by some of the greatest session players in Nashville and the Nashville Chamber Orchestra. In that album, which was called Kid Pan Alley Nashville, we got a Grammy nomination for one of the songs mm-hmm. on it even. And that's sort of what set us, uh, really set things in the high gear.
0: Paul, first of all, it takes an extreme amount of closure the energy to close. Okay, so you can drive down the field. You have these ideas, but I'm listening to you tell me about all the songs you wrote—60 songs—in this small, small window, right? Which take you two years to write 60 songs, and and you go in there. Apparently, it's, you're like a, a ball of fire. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a great ball of fire, Jerry, Jerry Lee. That's for you. Goodness but, gracious. but exact. Goodness gracious. So, but to close and to do all, put all of these elements together. Have you always been um, like a walking spreadsheet? You know what I'm saying? you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta put the, you gotta put the, the ball in the end zone, man. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I, I, I think the thing that separates, uh, you know, everybody has great ideas, and the thing that sets uh, apart a, uh, a professional creator from just someone who's uh, just doing it is that they actually finish things. Right. And so early on, I learned to. Uh, I learned to finish things and uh, uh, drive them there. And a lot of the Kid Pan Alley thing was realizing that we had very limited amounts of time. Uh, In the first uh, Kid Pan Alley project, I wrote all the songs basically in one sitting with the kids. And uh, now we do it. We have two one-hour sessions. But we've written 2,700 songs, and none of them took over two hours. So you learn how to kind of move more quickly through it. The great thing about working with 25 kids at a time or 20 kids, however many, is that you never run out of ideas. And so there's always something popping up, whereas if you're sitting there by yourself or with another friend, you know, you can hit the wall. But kids don't hit the wall. they have The ideas just keep flowing. And my job is to, you know, keep it between the white lines there, but let it wander where it's going to go. Yeah, uh, I say I try and do as little as necessary, as little as possible, and as much as necessary. Right. So I'm guiding, but I'm trying to get it all from the kids, including not only the lyric uh, but uh, the, the melody. So after we write a section of lyric, uh, I work with them. We clap. You know, someone will read the read the first line. We'll clap the rhythm so that they can see the natural rhythm of what, we're, what we've written, and then I'll have someone else say it, and I'll show them with my hand uh, the relative pitch of what they're saying. So because popular music is very much informed by the natural pitch and rhythm of speech, melody is expanded rhythm, as expanded speech, and speech is compressed melody. That is, we, we speak in a narrower range than we sing. We might hold out a word longer and music or in a melody
0: but in essence it should sound conversational absolutely sing it like you say it you guys get to play dj first we are the birthplace of american music in mississippi so you get to play dj would you like to hear in the keep mississippi beautiful studio mac McAnally or marty stewart which one would you like to hear Oh, Mac McAnally. We love them both. We love them both. That's a hard choice. Uh, We're a little Mac McAnally. You're in Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar. We're going to be right back with Paul Reisler and Cheryl Toth, Kid Pan Alley. Don't go nowhere. Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. When the lights go out, got to be brave and in the storm when Visit Mississippi.org. Everybody Google it right now. Don't Google it. Go to the website, but you can Google it. The bottom line is you're going to find out so many amazing things. You had no clue that we're here on our sacred hallowed ground in Mississippi. Tell them I sent you. I'm Steve Azar. You're in a Mississippi Minute in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. How many times can I say Mississippi? Just don't even start counting because it never ends because I love (laughs) the way it rolls off my tongue and how it inspires me. I'm with Paul Reisler, Cheryl Toth, uh, and of Kid Pan Alley. Go to kidpanalley.org as well. So much of what they do, uh, it 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 just sort of uh, has a lot to do who we are as well. I wanna understand guys where does the name Kid Pan Alley come from? Is Kid Pan Alley already in business when you guys meet as well, Cheryl? No,
1: uh actually Cheryl just stepped up for a second, she'll be Cheryl's right not
0: allowed to leave the interview. Where'd she go? Oh, she's getting she's, coffee? She's <laughs> come,
1: she's coming right back. <laughs> All
0: right, Paul, so you tell me.
1: Okay. So yes, uh it was uh you know, when we were when we made the first album we were searching around for a name and it uh wasn't like it came up right away, but eventually I was thinking, Well, you know, here I am I'm Kid uh, Pan Alley is really named after Tin Pan Alley, and Tin Pan Alley is where most of the great American songbook was written. Uh, there was a place called the Brill Building in New York City where all of the publishers had their offices, and the songwriters would go in every morning at 9 o'clock and write songs from 9 to 5, and they'd be banging on these Avatune pianos. So if you were walking down the alley behind, the real building it sounded uh they said it sounded like people beating on tin pans and so they called it tin pan alley Wow! Yeah. but that's where all these great songs the gershwins irving berlin all the way up through carol king and uh, people like that uh wrote their songs and so that seemed really appropriate because we were going in and spending the day writing songs being in the creative space of doing that and um uh, and also, there's the cacophony of it uh, that you heard behind the Brill Building. Because a lot of times the kids get so excited, they're all shouting out at it once, and so it sounds. Uh, it ha- it has that kind of uh, creative energy uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that you would hear behind uh, the Brill Building.
0: So all this starts basically by getting asked to do something when your band's been rolling and it's just sort of it's just sort of reaching its conclusion, right? Would right. you have ever thought, Paul, that... I mean, how many years have you been doing Kid Pan Alley? Uh, 21. Are you kidding me? Has it been yeah. that long? So I came yep. I came along at the beginning. We did a... With Mitch, our, our buddy Mitch, we did... He was a great, great, great film producer, uh, television producer, uh, producer of all kind. I respect this man so much. Uh, when... Did we do a TV pilot? Is that what we did?
1: Yeah, we did a TV pilot in about 94, 95. I mean, 2004, 2005. Yeah, Yeah, it was after. It was about five or so years into Kid Pan Alley. And uh, uh, Mitch had this great idea that it would make fascinating TV to watch us write songs with the kids and for me to have uh, to work with uh, different artists who were great songwriters, such as yourself. And you were the pilot. You were in a pilot program on that.
0: Did we get and shot down? Since I was of the pilot, I wonder if I got shot down. I guess I did. We didn't. No, work. What happened?
1: Uh, <laughs> you know, it just—I uh, don't know. I, Mitch, Mitch, was trying to pitch it, and it didn't really go anywhere. But I thought it was a great idea, and I remember we wrote a song about—I think it was called "Summer School Blues" or something like yeah,
0: that. Yeah, yeah. Now I remember. That's exactly right. That's what it was called. I totally Now, now I can see myself there and doing the song you just by the title that's so interesting uh, we probably should have got amy grant to do it and it would have been it would have worked so I, if if we have to go back and, and do things over i would be the one going like let's not use me let's use amy
1: <laughs> but oh i don't know i think yeah. you i think you're pretty pretty great but uh, it, it never hurts to have someone like Amy Grant, or we've no. had so many great no. artists. We even had uh, people like Sissy Spacek singing our songs.
0: So, so yeah, uh, you love Sissy Spacek, so I love her <laughs> too. Do. But you, you, Cheryl, does is it a little uncomfortable at times? How much he loves her?
2: No, you know he he loved working with Sissy Spacek, and it's it's kind of an ongoing joke. You know, let's get Sissy in to sing. You know, <laughs> he'll, he'll stay nice and focused.
0: <laughs> i stand focused you know i've got a thing for andy mcdowell and my wife gwen knows it so it's it's, <laughs> it's just her hair i mean i love it i love her hair anyway uh there's something about the way she talks and all that oh maybe i should stop right now before i get in trouble Before yeah yeah it's a good thing maybe i told gwen i said it's a good thing we probably never met uh but uh no it's not actually i'm just messing around the bottom line is uh i get it okay so uh as you guys have sort of evolved, right? And and do, have you ever hit like a wall during a time with your own energy level or with just things like obstacles along the way and challenges? Not COVID. That's another deal. But somewhere in the middle, has there ever been a time when you both have gone, I think we've gone as far as we can, or, or is the, the dream still alive and you rolling?
1: Well, the dream is still alive. Uh, we, we did hit a really rough spot about – nine years ago. Uh, but uh, the dream is still as strong as ever. And in fact, what I'm really working on now and what we're working on as an organization is uh, it being it sustainable past me. I'm 71 now. And uh, while I still absolutely love doing this, it is really hard work. And I'm kind of looking ahead four or five years down the road where I'm, I'm Uh, already starting to cut back a little bit and other people are uh, learning and taking over because we think it's so important for the children to have the experience of being creators. Right. Uh, We live in a creative economy, they say, and yet we do very little to encourage the creativity of children and very little to train them uh, to be creators. So we think this is such an important thing for them. And then to have the kind of success they have, because they're writing really good songs. They're not, you know, silly little songs about their dog or their cat, but songs that people like Amy Grant might want to sing. And uh, I tell you, you know, think about what would have happened for you, and I certainly think about what would have happened for me if the first song I wrote when I was eight years old got recorded by Amy. Yeah, Uh,
0: (laughs) That's right. It would have changed my life. (laughs) It wouldn't have been fair. But, you know, the interesting part is, let me ask Cheryl about this, because as an educator and you see uh, the light bulb go go off, the the nurturing process, without it, right? Can you imagine the one thing that they seem to want to eliminate from public schools, you know, we've been told and we've we've witnessed, is the arts. They feel, oh, we can't afford the arts, you know. Can you imagine someone growing up anywhere? everybody has to have it. It is like a part of the brain, heart, and soul that has to be uh, fed. And when you feed that, I think it also helps people to become better human beings. You know?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about our our lives, our lives are permeated with music, art, the beauty that we see in the landscape. And for children, especially in school, having the arts, there as a viable subject matter, and also integrated into everything else that they're learning is so critical because children learn in different ways. They have different learning styles, and you know you have children that learn by drawing it out by creating that uh, visual imagery. You other you have other children who beat it out on their you know, on their desks, the drummers of the future. You know, they, they find the rhythm in their learning. Mm. Um, the arts are so integrated in everything we do, everything we see. I mean, I, I was, like I said, um, during our house concert, I had the opportunity sometime to watch your video on waiting, waiting for show. And I was so moved. I mean, it evokes our emotions. It gives us a way to express ourselves. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. And, and I was moved to tears. And then, you know, I can listen to a song that will make me get up and, and dance around and be silly. It's
0: well, that's what it does. It's everywhere in between, you know. Absolutely. And it fixes all the pain that you could. I mean, listening to the most sad song in your, in your most down time, mm-hmm. so it's whatever, two negatives make a positive, I've seen that work. You know, as it's a songwriter, so writing yourself out of that hole from that dark, really hurtful place and writing a song about hurt, right? I mean, it fixes everything. I mean, it's, I mean, it, it, it doesn't make any sense to me sometimes. All I know is that the cure for polio is polio. The cure for uh, an, a songwriter uh, that's in that's struggling at times or whatever is writing a song. <laughs> you know, it's it's just exactly. insane. We're gonna take a quick break. You're in the Mississippi Minute. I'm with Paul Reisler, Cheryl Toth, Kidpanalley.org is how you go check out all the cool things they're doing. Visit Mississippi.org is how you go and check out all the cool cultural things. Come visit us down here at the Jim Henson Museum, for goodness sake. It's incredible. B.B. King Museum, the Grammy Museum. It's all like just right around the block from me and uh, a short drive away from you. You're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful Studio. We'll be right back running, this courage is what we've found, the lights go out, we've got to be brave, when the lights go out,
1: we've got to be
0: brave, when the lights go out, we've got to be brave. I'm still trying to find my way. Hey folks, Steve Azar here. My friends at guarantee Bank are setting the standard in banking. Guarantee Bank is committed to excellence in financial services and their delivery to strengthen the communities they serve and help improve the quality of life for those all-important areas. So make your reservation today. Their doors are open. Just schedule your appointment and reserve your spot prior to visiting them at GBTonline.com. The entire team of Guarantee Bank are committed to serving you and keeping you and their staff safe during these unprecedented times. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC
1: in a mississippi minute with steve oh, azar right here on
0: super talk mississippi what has happened to the radio that super talk mississippi is still allowing me to do this to i'm so happy that they are uh seen. that they've lost their minds with me along i appreciate them very much my friends there thank you for tuning into in a mississippi minute all you listeners loyal listeners i really appreciate it Go to visitmississippi.org to find out so many cool things you can do. Come visit my country trail marker down here in Greenville, Mississippi, and just tell my my buddies at Jim's Cafe where it sits, That uh, where actually, Cheryl, uh, I actually did some of my Waitin' on Joe video there, and that's where my, my country marker sits. I'm with Paul Reisler, Cheryl Toth, Kid Pan Alley. You're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. Guys, we're going to wrap this thing up in about seven minutes. Let's talk um, – about uh, you t- Paul you're talking about transitioning out like you're going like you're going to retire or something. First of all, we're not we're not allowing that. You play guitar like you did at 20. Actually, you play guitar like you do it at 71, which is better. But um but uh, I can't imagine you ever putting the guitar up or putting the idea of not being creat- creative up. Have you have you thought about like old number 4 Brett Favre just deciding I'm just not going to play football anymore?
1: Uh, well, uh, I, I'm not going to walk away just like Jim Brown, uh, but uh, uh, I, I know I'm going to keep doing this, and what I'm thinking more as I get older is uh, I started writing musicals uh, about seven or eight years ago, and uh, we have two Kid Pan Alley musicals now, one called Bouncing, which I wrote the script from scratch on, and then uh, we... I would work with the kids and use some of my songs, but we wrote the songs for that. And then another one uh, based on the uh, Clementine series of children's books, which were written by a dear friend of mine. And uh, this past year I wrote uh, The Talented Clementine, and that's had two runs already uh, based on that book. And what I did is I adapted the book uh, for the musical, and then I would go into the schools, and the kids had already read the books, they had a read-aloud, I'd go in and uh, we'd take a section of the the musical and I'd read it to them and then say, well, what can we do with a song to enhance this or maybe to replace the dialogue? And we would write songs for that. And so most of the songs were written uh, with the children on it, and it's a fantastic uh, piece. Uh, I'm so fortunate to have uh, my f- my friend who wrote those books because they're just some of the most delightful books about a third, uh, third grader who learns in a very different kind of way and is somewhat distracted but thinks in her own way. Quite inspiring. Uh, so I think I'm going to do more musical writing, and I'll never stop doing Kid Pan Alley as long as I'm able. But the main thing, you know, in that four or five years ago, our board sat down and we all thought about it and said, okay, we can do this in one of two ways. We can just play it out as long as Paul's able and then fold our tents and let it go. Or we can really start working on transition and training other people to do the work Paul's doing.
0: Hey, uh, okay. So how do people get involved?
1: Well, uh, one way is to, uh, help bring uh, kid pan alley to your local school because we, uh, we're, we want to work with as many children as we can while we can. And so that's a, a really great way to do it, and it's also a way to support your own community and to, get, uh, to give something back to the children in your community because, as it's been said so many millions of times, the children are our future. So uh, let's teach them how to be creative and to solve the problems uh, uh, going, going forward. Uh, we can also... Uh, Kid Pan Alley is a not-for-profit. We all know schools have very small budgets these days, uh, and the budgets have been slashed. So another way of helping is to, uh, uh, to donate to Kid Pan Alley, which you can do on our website, uh, kidpanalley.org. And another way is just to enjoy what we're doing, because uh, as we mentioned early on, we have a Sunday night concert series that we started back in March. I realized that all my friends, all of their gigs had been canceled for the foreseeable future. And I thought, well, you know, how can we, the music's inside, it's all bottled up, and the music creates community, the music heals community. Uh, What can we do to uncork that bottle and let it spread out over the country? So we started this concert series that you were on last week. Uh, We've had close to 25 concerts now with a lot of amazing artists, people like, you know, uh, Kathy Matea and uh, Tom Paxton John McCutcheon. And Steve Azar. And Steve Azar. You guys are fantastic. Next week, uh, we have um, uh, Pat Alger and John Bessler.
0: Yeah, well, that's, uh, that's going to be boring, isn't it? That's going to be boring. <laughs> come on. They're such great songwriters, such great guys.
1: Yeah. And so, uh, you know, you can uh, come on Sunday nights and watch, and you can go to our website, uh, uh and you'll find information on it there
0: well i can't thank you guys enough everybody check out kidpanalley.org uh and and get involved this is the real deal my friends paul reisler cheryl Toth. this is uh, uh this is they take it personal and it's a mission uh and it's special go to visit org. that's pretty dang special figure out what you're going to do this sure. weekend short drive away we're driving state I'm going to get Paul and Cheryl down into the Delta as soon as they as uh, as soon as they uh, get in their car and they say they're coming. I'm going to host them <laughs> okay. to some great food, great music, we'll great meals. That. You're going well, to keep Mississippi Beautiful Studio. hanging
1: out with you in person sometime
0: here. Uh, it's been a while. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Blessings to you. Have a great weekend. Thank
1: You Thank too. you, Thank Thanks,
0: And the Mississippi Minute is no longer. We'll see you guys later. Stay safe. I'm Steve Azar in a Mississippi Minute All 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. The news doesn't sleep, and neither do we. Fox News Radio. Late breaking, up to the minute, from around the world, around
1: the clock. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.